Naye Lupondwana on SAFM. Let me introduce you to our guest for today. We do have Father Russell Pollitt, who is no stranger to the program. It's been a while, though. Um, he's the director of the uh, Jew- Jesuit Institute of South Africa. Good evening to you, Father, and thank you very much for going to talk to us. Good evening, and good evening to your listeners. Also, we do have a Hebrew Israelite who's joining us on the line. He's playing uh, Hallelujah. Oh, let's try that again. Hallelujah. Matusi, am I reading that correctly? I feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tried. Close, close. And uh, these are our guests. Also, we do have Bishop Julius Monoy, President of the Christian Ministers of Southern Africa. Good evening to you, Bishop, and thank you for agreeing to talk to us. Good evening, Naya, and good evening to the listeners of SAFM. All right, to invite our most important people for this conversation, you, the audience, the listener who is listening now, whether it is via your phone or TV or radio, wherever you are in the car, at home, wherever you are, you are most important to us. That's why I've assembled all these and all our guests would like to hear what you have to say. Engage them, engage us, do this up until 8 o'clock. The way you can do that is sending a text message to our short message service, 41931, 41931. 41931. Each text message will cost you one rand fifty. And for those of you who prefer WhatsApp, you can find us there in 0614-104-107, 0614-104-107. Or you could call us straight on the landline 0891-104-207. 0891-104-207. Again, 0891-104-207. On the social media, we're also available there at SFM Radio. At SFM Radio, that's Facebook and Twitter. And the hashtag for those of you who are on Twitter is at Hashtag SFM Facts of Faith. The, fesh, the hashtag is hashtag SFM Facts of Faith. Let's jump in. Let's begin with uh, Ipiling. Ipiling, um, for for the two who are guests, Father Paulet and um, Bishop Malloy, uh, their faith comes after the Hebrew Israelite faith because um, there was the Hebrew Israelite faith and then there was your faith. Let's begin with you. In your understanding, is it possible? That this whole brouhaha of Easter has overshadowed the actual essence of Passover, Pesach, or do you believe actually they are one and the same thing? Ipiling, are you there? Did you hear my question, Ipiling? Yes, I heard your question. All right, go ahead. Um, yes, it has um, um, made it lose its meaning and value. Remember the Pesach on its own. It's a liberation story of Israel when they were liberated from um, Egypt. And it has a specific way that it needs to be observed according to um, some of 12, Exodus 12. Now, um, lately, it's, it's not even recognized, it's not even considered when is it to be observed, how is it to be observed. And everything is commercialized. People are going to buy you. Easter bunnies, Easter eggs, hot cross buns, eating teas, and all those things. This whole thing has nothing, when you read Exodus Prop, it has nothing to do with uh, the actual pressure, you know. So, as a result, yes, the commercialization has um, made the, 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 the festival produce its, its essence. Okay. All right. Let's bring in also Father Pollitt, um, again, Father Pollitt's uh, community of believers come before uh, those of, uh, of Bishop Malloy. So we're going to begin with, uh, uh, with Ipiling and then Father Pollitt. Uh, Father Pollitt, as, as, as the director of the Jesuit Institute of South Africa and a K- 
Catholic uh, minister. Uh, your take on this whole debate. Are you concerned about the commercialized popularity of this Easter as opposed to the popularity and, uh, well, the supposed overshadowing of Passover or Pesach? Yeah, I think I think I am. I think that um, we have to face facts that it has been over-commercialized and people are quite clearly making a profit out of these uh, religious holidays. Uh, we have, um, uh, you know, we, we see this not only now, but we see this most especially at Christmas, where even weeks before uh, Christmas, at the end of October sometimes, mm. uh, the, things are being commercialized, things are being um, um, advertised and so forth. And, you, you know, we have periods of preparation for uh, Easter, like we have Lent, and we have a period of preparation for Christmas called Advent, which is meant to be the four weeks, which people are meant to be focusing on what is to come. We're meant to be living simple lives, and very often this is completely overshadowed by the commercialization of, of these different feasts. On the other hand, there's another part of me that also says that um, we as religious leaders, therefore, are given actually more responsibility to educate our people when it comes to these uh, to these uh, uh, different times of the year. And we can no longer, because we live in a world that is so multicultural, so multireligious, uh, and of course there's many people who don't believe anything, we can no longer just simply think, okay, well, this is going to be taken care of because it's a public holiday. There's a, there's a responsibility and an onus that's put on us now to ensure that we educate our people well. Okay. All right, all right. Uh, 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 you've given us much to chew on. Well, let's take a turn now to Bishop Malloy. Bishop Malloy, as as uh, Protestants and as people who have now the greatest grip on the Christian community, uh, I'm I'm curious um, as a bishop and as a minister, and now also your capacity as president of Christian Ministers of Southern Africa. Are you concerned about the commercialization? Is this something that bothers you as a community and as a leadership that perhaps there's too much commercialization of what should be actually a religious historical uh, celebration? Not, not at all. Uh, it, it doesn't. It doesn't really bother us that much to say it has been commercialized because I mean the world as it is is commercialized. Um, and also, there is um, a debate to say, did um, the the Pesach take mm-hmm. over the, the Easter holiday, or did the Easter holiday take over the Pesach? And I think that debate is going to go on for years and years, because remember, the word Easter comes from uh, the English and the Greek, when they brought in their, 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 their own celebration of Ustro, who was the goddess that they had at that time. But then that fizzled out because the dates were coinciding with each other. Now, the, the, the history and the etymology around the word Easter, um, to some degree, it is really immaterial to what we are doing because... Like, for an example, now if I make you an example, people can go to a restaurant for many things. The one will be having a, a birthday. As you're busy eating the stuff at the, at the, at the um, restaurant are singing birthday for someone, you can use that for many reasons. As long as you know as a person that you are commemorating uh, the death and resurrection of Christ, that's it. As to who sells the Easter bunny and does whatever, we cannot really contest that because I don't think we'll win that battle. People commercialize anything. They've already commercialized Christ anyhow. Okay. 
All right. All right. I like the turn this conversation is taking. We are going to take a break and come back. And by the way, the lines are open 0891-104-207, You're listening to the various permutations of our conversations from the various representatives of the different faiths. These are not the only ones that I'm interested in. I am interested to hear what you have to say, whatever faith you come from. So please call us 0891-104-207, Hashtag SAFM Facts of Faith. Welcome back and thank you very much for sticking around. You're still listening to Facts of Faith. We are together until 8 o'clock. It's 20 minutes after 7 now. We're in conversation with our guests for this conversation. We're asking the question, has the commercialization of religious holidays? And the example we're giving is Easter or Passover or Pesach. Has this commercialization of religious holidays taken away from the meaning and the essence of the religious holidays themselves. If you're listening to our guests, uh, Father Pollitt is, well, concerned and perhaps suggesting a very important part of responsibility neglected here. And then Ipiling um, Mutush is suggesting perhaps we may look into the actual origins of Passover and understand what that is. But Bishop Malloy is saying, hey, Jesus has been commercialized anyway. Let people do whatever they want to do. We know what we're doing. Uh, that's the spirit in which we're having this conversation. I'd like to hear what you have to say. 0891 104207. 0891-104-207. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at a situation now where people of faith don't seem to be as discerning. You are calling it Pesach. Uh, that's a Hebrew word for what people are now understanding to be Passover in English or modern day English. And then there are those who are saying Easter actually does refer to Passover. What's your problem? So uh, I want, let me just put that question to you. If when they're saying Easter, they mean Passover or Pesach, why are you bothered by that, Ipiling? Um, I'm not bothered by that. But um, we need to understand that every chief in Israel had a spiritual significance. And it has a way it needed to be observed and it was, it was serving a particular purpose. Now, the Passover, as it is called in English, the Pesach, like I said earlier on, is a liberation story of Israel as they were liberated or released from the slavery or the bondage of, um, of Egypt. Now, as I said that, if you look into Exodus 12, Pesach or Passover was observed in a particular way. Number one, it was observed within families. And it's very clear that every family was to feast as a family. And it was not open to everyone. It was for Israelites. Remember, it's about, there's a story about Israel, Elohim, Yahweh, Elohim, and the people around them. Now, it's a liberation of Israel. It was to be observed by Israel, and no one was supposed to take food to the neighbor. Everyone was supposed to be having their feast or their meals in their house as Israelites. Now, if ever we, um, when you look into what is happening now, we cannot say that Passover is Easter. Because Easter, it has more to do with um, Easter buying, Easter bunnies, eating hot cross buns and everything. That has nothing to do with the Passover, you know, and it's a celebration. Remember, um, the main aim is to, is to disconnect humanity 
from spirituality can transform them into materialization world. You know, it's all about material, it's all about making money. This is motivated by greed. So it has nothing to do with a personal intimate relationship with Yah. Because for Israel, as they observe the Passover, it's time for them to yield and reflect and remember the loving commitment of Yah, their Elohim, and relate to their children what transpired and how great Yah has been to them. You know, now if ever we are to do other things outside what Yah said we should be doing or how he said we should be doing, then it's basically disobedience. And when it's disobedience, it's basically nothing to do with his will or what it is. So it's, or it's basically removing it from its actual core. Yeah. Remember when you want to make something to lose its value, you just remove it from its purpose and then name it something else. Then it loses its value. Yeah, all right. Uh, Father Paulet, you, 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 you referenced Lent almost synonymous or as the equivalent or part of this um, scriptural season of, of worship or festive uh, celebration or commemoration. What is Lent? So Lent is the uh, 40 days before uh, Easter. It's uh, plus minus around six weeks. And what the Christian church does is it marks Lent on Ash Wednesday when people put uh, uh, ash crosses on their foreheads. And it's a time of fasting, a time of prayer, a time of charity, a time of reflecting on our lives, a time of trying to uh, seek a deeper conversion, uh, a time of preparing uh, for the celebration of uh, the passion, the death, and the resurrection um, of Jesus. So that lasts up until Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday, we celebrate Jesus going into Jerusalem. And then uh, after that, it's Holy Week. So we have Holy Thursday, the night of the Last Supper, or Passover. We have Good Friday, the day of Jesus' death. And then we have, uh, of course, uh, Holy Saturday, the day he was in the tomb, a day of silence. And then Sunday, we celebrate um, the resurrection um, of Jesus. So that's really what Lent is. Lent is that time of preparation, that time of fasting, that time of, of trying to be more open to transformation and to God than what we normally are. Okay, I totally, I totally understand. Um, uh, 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 Ms. Mutusi has explained Passover, which you're mentioning is what is being celebrated by uh, Jesus on the Passover, uh, on, on the Last Supper. Uh, she has clarified that it is found in Exodus. I understand that part. But where do you get it from all these other things like Lent? Where in your scriptures do you find Lent or Holy Saturday or Good Friday or any of that stuff? Because um, when you study the scriptures, it makes no mention of Lent. It makes no mention of Good Friday, it makes no mention of Holy Saturday, it makes no mention of the sunrise service on a Sunday morning, that resurrection celebration. There are no such celebrations or commemorations in the scriptures. They are merely mentioned as events, but not as celebrations or commemorations or any of the names you've just given to us. So where in your scriptures did you get those, Father? So Lent really comes from the beginning of, of the Gospels, where we see Jesus going into the desert for 40 days to prepare himself uh, for, for ministry. The story of Jesus going into the, into the desert, and uh, he's, he's tempted in that desert, but it's really a time of him being strengthened and prepared for, for his uh, ministry. And so the early church uh, saw this time before Easter as an important time of preparation, and, and that tradition evolved 
uh, into what we we call Lent. I mean, Good Friday was a name that was given. Hold on, before you go to from. before you go to Good Friday, Father, you you are mixing two things. At the beginning of Jesus's ministry, he went to the for, for the forty days of fasting. That was not the forty days preceding Easter or Passover or whatever you want to call it. So why would uh, you reference something that happened at the beginning of his ministry, three years, if not three and a half years before the actual um, uh, uh, crucifixion happened? Okay, so we have, to, we have to look at the whole narrative. And so the early church decided that in preparation for what is the key, I mean, Christianity or the Christian movement or, or whatever you want to call it, was really born because of the resurrection. It's after the resurrection of Jesus that the, the, that the Christian church becomes what it is, it starts to grow. And, though, and in that early tradition, they said, well, because this is such an important time uh, of preparation for this great event, for, for the resurrection, we, we, we need a time of preparation. And so they said, well, you know, Jesus had these 40 days in the desert, and so we, we look at uh, the, this time of preparation for his ministry, and we say, okay, we do this for Easter. Why would you do that? Because the actual original festival that uh, Pileng was talking about does give you time for preparation, where you are told what to do, what not to do for Passover, this Pesach. This, this, this Jewish Hebraic God gave instructions as to what to be done to prepare for the Passover, the passing over of that angel that's going to be killing. The, the, Specific instructions. Why would you ignore those instructions and make up your own, which have not even been referred to as Lent? The, the early church. So you're being very literalist in your understanding of these texts, and that's part of the problem here. You see, the early church developed a tradition reflecting on this. The church develops a theology reflecting. By on what authority, events. Father? Who gave the the church, the early church, the authority to de- develop tradition? Jesus himself said to those said to those uh, uh, disciples, go out to the whole world, proclaim the good news. And in the proclamation of that good news, if we read the Acts of the Apostles, for example, I mean, even if you look at Acts chapter 15, how they wrestle there at the Council of Jerusalem about uh, who can be members of the church and so forth, they, they find a way forward. Because you see, it's, it's, this is not static. This is not, this is not something that happened historically and stayed there. This is, this is a living tradition. That, that continues to live and, and gets interpreted, and that tradition then gets put into practical ways for people to, to live it out. All right, and walk, walk with me, walk with me, Father. So you're saying um, the church was given authority by Jesus when he gave the Great Commission Matthew 28? That was authority to change things and determine your own things? Yes, he said to them, go out to the whole world and proclaim the good news. And that's exactly what they did. And as they went doing that, and as they went further than simply just, uh, you know, Jerusalem or whatever, as the gospel spread to the then known world, they had to find new, they had to find ways of, 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 uh, of engaging with cultures, of helping people to understand. And as I referenced there in Acts 15, we see how when there's a dispute about whether Gentiles can be part of the Christian movement or not, and whether they should be circumcised, the early church finds a way through that. All right, we're going to we'll talk now about the Jerusalem Council, but I just want us to read those because remember this is facts of faith. So let's go to the fact of the text. The text that you're referring to is Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen, and twenty. Would that be correct, there, Father? Yes. All right. Yes. Let me read it for you. It reads: I'm reading this from the NKJV. That's the New King James Version. It reads: Go therefore 
and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the, of the age. Full stop, close quote. Am I reading that correctly there, Father? You are. Okay. As far as this text is concerned, it makes no allusion or suggestion or gives you no authority to change and give your own authority. Quite frankly, verse 20 says, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And what did Jesus, and what did Jesus teach us? Which is what? In, in, our Christian, in our Christian tradition, Jesus teaches us that he becomes himself the new Passover. If you read uh, those uh, chapters of John's Gospel, 13, 14, 15... Uh, at the time of the last supper, those long discourses of but Jesus I need you to point me that he becomes he becomes a new Passover, and so the early church begins to look at what he's saying, and they say, okay, we how do we find ways of living out this new interpretation? Remember, the, remember, Father, what said what would Pastor Father remember what we've been trying to establish is I'm, I'm going to keep, come to you just now, Ipiling. What we've been trying to get to, Father, is you, you're suggesting that the Catholic Church has been given the authority, or, or the, the, the Christian movement, or Christians, or the early church have been given the authority to make determinations as to what shall be. In this case, you suggested that they have now the authority to use the forty days of his temptation of the devil at the beginning of his ministry to refer to Lent and bring in uh, a spring uh, celebration a pagan spring celebration and call it Lent and then attribute that to something that was far removed by three years to this Yeshua is, is where we're trying. So I need you to point me to a text in your scriptures that says you actually have the authority because the text in Matthew 28, 19 and 20 doesn't say that. Yes, Ipiling. Naya, you're not listening. You, you, you got stuck on one thing and you're a literalist. You're not listening to um, what I'm saying. Um, All right, I'm going to give you a chance just now, Father. Just want to spring in. Ipiling wanted to jump in. Go ahead, Ipiling. Now, when you look into Daniel chapter 7, verse 25, it speaks of this man of lawlessness who will come and change the ordinances of Yah. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Ipilang. Tell us what the text is. It's Daniel chapter 7, verse 25. Okay. What does it say? Should I read it now? Yeah, go ahead, read it. Chapter 27. And it speaks words against the Most High, and it wears out the set apart ones of the Most High. And it intends to change appointed times and law, and they are given into its hands for a time and times and half a time. Now, the Eurogentile has formulated a doctrine of religious deception. That is to disrupt the Israelites from worshipping the true Elohim of Israel, which is Yah, their Elohim. Appearing as interpreters of the Torah of Yah, they disguise as religious or evangelists. Uh, and they interpolated the Torah of Yah. Now, and I'm glad that what the, the, the Father has been saying is concerning what I'm saying now. Because um, the Torah of Yah is the standard of, 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 of truth. The scripture is an indispensable tool of liberation. has to be reassessed in the light of ancient truth instead of contemporary deception. Now, so far, there has been so much that has been added to the actual Passover. Number one, Passover has nothing to do with the church. Number two, Passover has nothing to do with Jesus. Number three, the blood that was of the Lamb that was slaughtered during Passover. It's clear that it was used at signs, at doorposts. 
so that when the angel of death comes, it will pass over an Israelite house. That is what at least he said in the in the in the Exodus what the the, the, the the Torah is saying. Now the Israelites were eating this in haste, and the lamb that was slaughtered, it was eating, but it was eating in a particular way. It was prepared in a particular way. It was roasted, and it was eating. Now I do not understand how do they relate that to the 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 the, the, the Jesus Christ being the Passover lamb and all the stories. The story of Passover of Pesach. It's a liberating story. It has nothing to do with forgiveness of sins, if I may, or, or cleansing of Israel's sins. Israel was being removed from Egypt, from slavery, and they were healing to Canaan, their land of promise. Now, that is what I'm saying. The scripture is very clear. If we are to seek him to the word of Yah, in Deuteronomy 6, I think it's verse 2 or verse 4, he says, Hear, O Israel. And that is why at some point, Jeremiah 6.16, he asked Jeremiah to call Israel and say, go back to the crossroads. This is the old path where good life is and walk it. Because everything, that's why I said, everything has spiritual significance. The seeds are in Leviticus 12, Leviticus 23, they are labeled there. It starts actually with the first uh, holy day, which is the Sabbath, which has changed. And later on today, the Sabbath day is changed into the Sunday worship day. And then the Sabbath day is a commercial day. People, it, it's a very busy day of making money, you know. Now it has lost its meaning. Now, this, as I said earlier on, the aim is to remove people from being spiritually connected with Yah, their creator. But to be materialistic um, world, you know, living without any purpose. I don't know if you get what I'm I saying. I hear you. I hear you. I want to bring in um, uh, uh, the bishop here uh, because as, as far as the bishop is concerned, quite frankly, this is not as a big deal as you're making it out to be. Jesus has already been uh, commercialized. I'm quoting him verbatim there. Jesus if you or- hear Yahweh, it will be a big deal. But if you don't hear Yahweh, how you observe the people, yeah. how you relate to Yahweh, I, I understand. Will, I understand, ma'am. I understand. I want us to bring in the the, the, the bishop as well. Bishop, um, I want to ask you just to clarify what exactly it is that you're saying here, because it sounds as though while Ipileng seems to be bothered by the actual events that are represented by Passover, which are also observed by Jesus in his uh, Last Supper, for you it is uh, it doesn't seem as though it's as important as was made by uh, Ipileng. At some point, Father Pollitt was also concerned as well that perhaps this is commercialization but it's for you you don't seem as very as, as important hell it's it's whether you commercialize it or not we still know what we're talking about so i'm going to take a break and come back when i come when we come back i'm going to ask you to clarify your position because it sounds as though you're nonchalant about it and perhaps you can uh, put us straight set me straight stand by on safm 20 minutes before 8, we're taking your calls, we're reading your texts, we're engaging on the subject of commercialization of religion, whether it is a concern for you. Well, I want to bring in the bishop. Bishop, um, you've been listening to uh, Ipileng and the Father, and I was curious to understand, it seems as though you're um, uh, somewhat passive or nonchalant about it, and I could be wrong, please set me straight. Yes, I think that uh, I am uh, nonchalant about the commercialization aspect. Okay. Um, when it comes to the um, 
you know the the the, the meaning and the uh, implication of the Pesach and also the the actions of Jesus during that time. Remember when you look at the uh, when you read the book of Luke, I think it's chapter twenty-three. It says, "When the time of Passover came, Jesus also uh, commemorated it." So he did not initiate it, but because he was a Jew, uh, he he was following the tradition that was being followed. Yeah. Yet. At that time, he changed the meaning and implication of it to those that follow him. That is why they, 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 they slaughtered the lamb like they did, they slaughtered the lamb like it was a tradition for everybody. And then that's when he took the bread and broke it and said, this, share it among, among yourself. So we as Christians take our understanding from that. And that is where I want to differ with Ipileng, because... Um, it is not that it has nothing to do with Jesus. It cannot, it cannot be that it has nothing to do with Jesus, whereas Jesus was a Jew, and Jesus was raised in the tradition of the Jews, and then Jesus then changed the interpre- interpretation, the application and meaning as to towards his followers, those who follow him, those who call themselves Christians. When it comes to the issue of the early church, I think... Okay, be, b- first, before you go to the yeah. early church, Bishop, just, oh, just, just hold on, oh, hold on, Ipileng. Um, the, 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 the clarification that I got from Ipileng, and I could be wrong, is that the origins of Passover do not begin with Jesus. They begin yes, with, yeah. So her point is, the Passover began with God instructing Moses to instruct the Israelites what to do when the angel is going to pass over. And that had nothing to do with Jesus. It had everything with God's intention to liberate Israelites from Egypt. That was her point. Who and then who was uh, uh, my 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 point where I come in and want to marry the two concepts is when I say one, Jesus Christ had every right and responsibility to be part of it because he was a Jew. That's number one. Number two, but, but that logic then, falls apart there, Bishop, because the oh, fact that I'm a Kosa person doesn't mean I can change Kosa customs and traditions. The fact that I'm a Kosa person doesn't give me the authority to now change the meaning of the a historical event that happened in my culture, which I was brought up in. So that, I no, agree with you. Yeah. I, I agree with you. But then it comes to do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God or not? And if you do not believe, then our story will end there to say he did not have a right. But for me, who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, then I feel and I understand and I believe, and it's my conviction, that as the Son of God, he had that right. That is why he says, when you do this, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Yeah. Not in, the rem- in remembrance of the Jews and how they were liberated. He says, do this in remembrance of me all right and that is where i get my conviction from i understand i understand not from the the time that moses did what and what 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 okay fair enough go ahead you wanted now to move on to 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 the early church issue yes now the interpretation and the whole story behind uh the easter and the mixture of the pagan beliefs and also uh the judeo-christian beliefs that mixture came uh, with the Nishan Creed. They are the ones that, came, that gave the, the Easter or the Pesach, but they called it Easter. 
that, they're the ones that gave it that meaning and interpretation according to the Roman Catholic way of doing things. And unfortunately, or fortunately enough, because the Roman Catholic and the word Catholic means universal, had so much influence in the Christian interpretation, understanding, and uh, uh, application of belief, it influenced how the believers of Christ or Christianity uh, interpreted and therefore practiced uh, the Pesach. And that is where the mixture between Pesach and Easter came in. And, and that is why even up to today, and the commercialization also uh, of, of the Pesach or Easter, whichever you want to call it, um, started even at the time of the early church, during the time of, of, of Moses, because that was the time where people, when the time came, they would sell crops and sell sheep and sell this and sell. So the commercialization has always been, uh, uh, you know, in unison with the tradition of Pesach across the board. And it could be one of the reasons why Jesus Christ went into the temple and drove all the money exchangers and all of these people, because people were commercializing around any feast or any holy okay. uh, let, uh, let me correct something there. of the church. Let me correct yeah. something there, Bishop. Hold on a minute. Um, I want to correct something there, Bishop. We're, our subject for today is not about the occasion of commercialization. Remember the question we're trying to get answers is whether the commercializing is overshadowing the meaning. So while you can be correct about the event and the occasion of commercialization, that is not the issue for tonight. Our issue for tonight is whether this commercial aspect of these festivities have overshadowed the significance, essence, and meaning of the actual festivities. And that's what we're right, trying to establish. Let me be direct. Yeah. Let me be direct. Pesach, from its origin in, 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 in Exodus 12, has always been a private affair between God and a specific family. And the implication and the meaning and the liberative aspect of it has always been a private conviction thing. So there is no way that today, because there are people selling Easter bunnies and doing this and running around and having all of these things, the hype around it, there is no way it can change the meaning or the sacredness thereof. Because it has always been a private affair and it will always be a private affair. I will never on one day wake up and go and run and buy the Easter bunny, not understanding why did God bring the liberating fact of the Pesach. No, so it does not. It does not have an impact. the The whole commercialization might be huge and 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 you know flamboyant and everywhere because commercial people are marketing people. But that should not have an impact on my convictions with my God based on my relationship with him and the meaning and implication of Passover. All right, all right. I hear you, but th would that translate to your members there, Bishop? Because we're seeing something totally different on the floor. When you're watching how the commercial aspect has been so well welcomed by the communities to which this is supposed to be targeted, it makes one wonder if they understand what actually is and not the commercial part. It would appear as though, as the question suggests, that because of the success of the commerce around Easter, commerce has given people meaning which is commercial, which is not religious. And that's what we're trying to establish. Is it possible that you may say that all you like, that your members, your community of believers have always and still are drunk with the commerce 
of the whole thing, not the religiosity of the Easter, of, of the Passover. And as such, Easter as a commercial activity has apparently taken over. And this is judging by the success of commerce during this time. None of it is talking about Passover. None of it is talking about the liberation movement of uh, the is Israelites from Egypt. None of it is talking about the angel passing over. It's all about Easter bunnies, Easter eggs, chocolate, and, and cross cross buns and all of that. Is it possible that perhaps you're talking about yourself and not your members today? No, actually, I'm talking about everybody because, okay. as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, uh, we taught the correct way of observing Pesach a long time. Ten years ago, I've, I've already been teaching that. But I can challenge you now. Go on any social media platform right now yeah. and see and look at any pastor because it is nice now because now we've all been uh, somehow moved into the social platform to yeah, preach yeah. our messages. Yeah. It is. Uh, breaking of bread, breaking of bread, Holy Communion, every pastor that comes on there. Yeah. So this thing of we have been over-commercialized so much that our psyche has changed and turned away from the original meaning to what the marketers are selling is yeah. correct. All right, I'm going to take a break and come back. Remember, Pastor, what I'm talking about is not you as the, as an individual. I'm talking about you as pastors. You may teach all that you like, but it seems as though, again, this is based purely and on the commercial activity and the commercial success of Easter as an industry. These I I industries have flourished, and this is flourishing not because of the pagans. It's not flourishing because of, of the agnostics, of the atheists. It's industry is evidently and commercially successful because of the people who are supposedly worshipping uh, the Passover God. So herein lies the issue. You can preach all you like as ministers of religion on Facebook or wherever you're preaching, but testament of the fact on the ground is that your members are going to buy these pagan symbols supposedly because it is the season to be jolly. So something like that. We'll take a break and come back and uh, we'll read some texts for those of you who have sent some texts on social media and then re re redirect our conversation to Father Paulet. You're listening to Facts of Faith. Hashtag SAFM Facts of Faith. All right, we're going to read some texts for those of you who put some texts down on Facebook. You can find us there. One text written by Ayandandaba writes, Yes, it has. Remember the question we're asking. Has commercialization of religious holidays taken away from the meaning and essence of the religious holidays themselves? And Ayandandaba replies, Yes, it has. The very mean, very same people who deemed others as sun worshippers realize the importance of the sun, moon and the elements at large. And then, not understanding the importance of such elements, came up with their own element, imali, a false element to be exact. The commercialization of religious holidays is bothersome because it has divided families and family, quote-unquote, being the most divine institution of all time. Ayandandawa, thank you. I like your sentiment there. Another text from Tandisilim Tulu on Facebook still writes, No, because they have never had any meaning. It was civilization and paganism. Okay, Tandisilim Tulu, thank you very much. Appreciate your text. Ingram Michaels writes, Paganism has always been commercial. Why they call it a religious a religion dumb strikes me. And then he quotes some texts. Let's read them through. 2 Corinthians 11, 13 of 15 KJV reads according to his text, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. 
and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light therefore it is no greater no it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of right righteousness whose end shall be according to their works Isaiah 5:24 according to his text writes therefore as the fire devoureth the stubble and the flame consumeth the chaff so their root shall be as rottenness or, or, or yeah, rottenness and their blossom shall go up as dust because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel and uh, Isaiah 29 13 please scroll up for me there Joey Isaiah 29 13 reads uh, wherefore the Lord said for as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me but have removed their heart far from me and their their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men Matthew 16 12 then understood they how they that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees Proverbs 1 26 I also will laugh at your calamity I will mock when your fear cometh who said they are religious holidays they are pagan holidays that's what he or she says thank you very much appreciate it Rosabello Madikwe is it Madikwe I'm hoping I'm reading that correctly. Rasiavelo Madiga writes, About half a million years ago, Earth was colonized by a highly advanced race from far-flung place in the Milky Way galaxy. Since this race constitute the latter colonizers of the Earth, it occupies a prominent place in the annals of our planet, particularly in the Bible, those races Anunnaki, as a group are variously referred to as Anakim, the Elohim or the Nephilim in the original Hebrew language. In the English language translation, they are referred to as simply God or the Lord. The singular terms Jehovah or Yahweh, Adonai, etc. all refer to various members of the Anunnaki pantheon, the Anunnaki royals who was led by Enlin, the most prominent Jehovah who was the Earth's chief executive and his stepbrother Enki, who was second in command and who in the opening chapters of Genesis is referred to as the serpent. Uh, Joey, that's something that's covering my screen there. Please remove it. Thank you. It was Enki who fashioned Adam and Eve by way of genetic engineering using genes of ape man Homo erectus and those of a dark-skinned Anunnaki we today call all mix. Now this is the beginning of religion. That's Rasiavelo Madiku. Wow. All right. I'm going to give you each one minute, or should I say 30 seconds, because my time is running out. I'm going to begin with you, Father Pilate. I want to respond to you, notwithstanding your ad hominem. Uh, would you like to respond to all of these? 30 seconds. Go ahead. You know, I think we need to look at the symbolism of some of these things that are being sold as well. And we can use them as, as, as ways as well of teaching people about uh, the, the, these different times of the year. So, for example, the Easter Bunny itself comes from uh, the German Lutherans, if I remember correctly, 
and it was a symbol of new life that the, that the, that the, the 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 bunny would the eggs would bring about new life, and therefore this was connected for them in in terms of their celebration of of uh, of, of Easter. The same with hot cross buns, you know. They mark. They were meant to mark the end of Lent. We now have them sold the whole year round, but they were meant to mark the end of Lent, and they had uh, the cross on them, which is a certain meaning for Christians. The the spice in the buns uh, were, were reminded that Jesus was embalmed uh, before he he was uh, put in the tomb. So you know we can use these different things as well to help people to understand the importance of this time of the year. So even though it's being commercialized, All right. I think it's... I, I need to move on. Thank you very much, Pastor uh, Bishop. I, I need to move on to the Bishop now. Bishop, 30 seconds, your conclusion remarks. We cannot sit and say, do not market that in the name of my Jesus. That's not the point. The point is this. Do you love Jesus Christ? Yes. Do you believe in him? Yes. Is he savior of your life? Yes. That's it. It's in your heart, private affair. That's it. Trying to stop people is a waste of time. All right, thank you very much. Uh, uh, Ipiling, 30 seconds, go ahead. Um, in conclusion, um, um, I would love to, to agree with what Ayanda commented on, that it does have caused distraction in families. Remember in Israel, everything was about family, building a family, a peaceful family. And I believe that this year, it's a period where Yah is showing his greatness because he has granted people an opportunity to observe Pesach as family. And that is why people are so frustrated because they are used to being social. And when you are social, it's embracing commercialization. It has never been about buying this and showing off that and how you are here. All right. But it's about a spiritual relationship and intimate Got it. Got it. Ipilin, I need to end it there. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. I really cannot continue any farther. Any farther. Father Russell Pollard, thank you very much. Director of the Jesuit Institute of Southern Africa, Ipilin Muntusi. A Hebrew Israelite and also Bishop Julius Malloy, President of the Christian Ministers of Southern Africa. Thank you very much to all of you. For me, Nayelu Pondona and the team, decide for yourself. Go read it for yourself and have a wonderful evening. Godspeed. <laughs>